Coming up on Studio Berlin. Nowadays, Brussels sees refugees as a problem rather than as people who need help because their arrival has caused so many political problems. Migration to Europe is rising again. In September alone, more than 12,000 refugees arrived in Greece. Moria camp, for example, on Lesbos can really only hold 3,000 people. And it's been regularly holding in the last couple of years three to four times that number of people. How is Europe tackling this challenge? And why can't European countries seem to agree on a common approach to migration? The interior minister from Germany finally realizes that something has to be done uh, that could be actually beneficial for refugees. Stay tuned for a closer look at migration to Europe. Up next on Studio Berlin. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week we're taking a closer look at the events and issues moving us here in Germany's capital and in Europe. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda. This week we're talking about a story that has been one of the biggest topics of political and public debate here in Germany and across Europe over the last five years. Migration. Hey, European Union, if you attempt to label our operations as an invasion, then it's simple. We will open our borders and send 3.6 million refugees your way. Then we'll experience what we already did back in 2015. People will appear everywhere in Europe. That was the Turkish president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, and the German interior minister, Horst Seehofer, both speaking on migration earlier this month. All eyes right now are on Greece, which is seeing the biggest surge in migrants and refugees arriving from Turkey since 2015, when more than a million people entered Europe through Greece. According to the UN Refugee Agency, more than 12,000 arrived in Greece in September, which is the highest number of migrants and refugees since Europe signed a deal with Turkey to stop migration across the Aegean Sea. So we'll be talking about all of that with Emmanuel Schatz. She is a political correspondent at Germany's international broadcaster, DW, or Deutsche Welle. She has reported extensively on migration across Europe. Hello, Sumi. And Joanna Kakisis. She is an NPR international correspondent based here in Europe. Uh, she's also reported on migration, particularly in Greece. Hello. Good to have both of you. Joanna, I want to start with you. What is happening at the moment in Greece? Why are we seeing this uh, new influx of migrants and refugees? So I wanted to start by saying that the surge is not nearly as big in any way as it was in 2016. Um, on the island of Lesbos, for instance, and Lesbos was the entry point for refugees in 2015. Everyone has sort of associated the island to this, you know, this was the big door to Europe. Uh, on Lesbos, there were about 7,000 arrivals uh, on the island last month, and that may seem like a lot, and 12,000 overall, like you mentioned. Uh, but we were seeing up to 30,000 people arrive in a month back in 2015. It's not clear yet why we're seeing such a big surge, but it may have something to do with Turkey's politics right now. President Erdogan, you know, he's under a lot of pressure to get rid of Syrian refugees in his country. There are nearly four million there. And even his main rival, um, you know, Istanbul's uh, popular new mayor, who's supposedly very progressive, Ekrem Imamoglu, he wants them out as well. So, you know, some Syrians are choosing to cross to Greece and face these horrible conditions at camps rather than stay where they're not wanted because they don't want to get deported, for example, to the so-called safe zone in northern Syria. Also, there are other refugees in Turkey, like Afghans, who don't have the protections 
the Syrian refugees have had over the, uh, the past few years and who are living hand to mouth. Uh, they just sell everything and cross. Um, they have no hope of ever being accepted in Turkey, and so they say, you know, uh, why stay? And President Erdogan has, has warned, you know, about flooding Europe with refugees, and he has the means to do it. That's true. He can just tell his the security guards, the police officers, everyone that's policing the organization on the coast, he can just tell them to look the other way, which is what they did in 2015. It's a threat he has issued many times before with no follow-through. But, you know, that all may change with, you know, as he's feeling cornered these days by the consequences of his military's invasion of northern Syria and the isolation Turkey's facing right now. We heard there about the politics, Emma, that Joanna was uh, referring to. And we heard earlier also that particular threat from Turkey's President Erdogan. Hey, European Union, I could open the doors and send you millions of refugees. Could you take us back and explain what the agreement has been between the European Union and Turkey that Joanna was referring to? Well, uh, Joanna was referring to the EU-Turkey uh, deal, which is on the paper, actually, which looks quite uh, easy. It's uh, the principle of an illegal refugee is setting foot in Greece, will be immediately sent back uh, to Turkey. But in return, Europe, the European uh, member states, would actually take one refugee from Turkey, a refugee which would have uh, been in Turkey already. So it's a principle of one in, one out. And that would apply to Syrian refugees, to Afghan refugees, to Pakistanis. But there's a limitation uh, to that treaty because, first of all, uh, there's a refugee convention that was signed in 1951 and that gives the right to each individual, each refugee, to see his case assessed on a one-to-one basis and not just because he's a refugee he has to be sent back. His case should be uh, studied uh, and in due course. And also, where do, does that leave uh, the European Union if we send back refugees to Turkey without studying their cases, refugees shouldn't be returned to countries that are not guaranteeing their rights. And East Turkey really guaranteeing their rights? We've seen that uh, people have been placed in arbitrary uh, detention in Turkey. Some uh, have been sent back to Syria, which is absolutely not a safe country, especially not now. Uh, so yeah, the EU-Turkey deal raises a lot of questions, especially in the field of human rights. Joanna, just talking about that agreement there that has in the past few years since 2016 reduce the number or the flow of irregular migration uh, to Europe through Greece. What are authorities doing and saying about that agreement now in Greece? Well, I mean, right now, the politics between Greece and Turkey is very complicated. So um, Greece and Turkey, I guess the best way to describe the relationship is they're sort of like frenemies, okay? They get along for geopolitical reasons. They do have a lot of economic ties. Uh, But their history has made them foes, obviously. Uh, Greece was uh, occupied by the Ottoman Turks when Turkey was part was the Ottoman Empire. And a lot of Greeks were forced out of Turkey when the modern Turkish state was founded. So there's a lot of bad history there. So right now, the EU-Turkey deal depends on Ankara having a good relationship with Brussels, which it doesn't right now, and having a good relationship with Athens, which which it also doesn't right now. Turkey has gone into maritime borders that are not its own. Uh, in the Aegean, in the search for offshore uh, natural gas deposits. That's also angered Athens. And, and so with this relationship in flux, if Greece, for example, wants to send refugees back, it can't do it right now. And, and, this, and also because of the situation in Turkey, this, the situation in Turkey is so anti-refugee that this idea of sending a refugee back, even under the agreement, is becoming increasingly hard. 
And uh, Emmanuel mentioned following international law. Well, Greeks have been trying to follow international law in the sense that they give refugees the opportunity to respond to asylum requests. In other words, if asylum request is turned down, the Greeks will give refugees an opportunity to, to try again. And so you end up having a lot of people staying on the islands for that reason. So there has been a delay in sending people back also for that reason. Emma, in terms of this EU-Turkey deal, what is the European Union doing right now in terms of trying to save it? Is it in the EU's interest to save it? Are there new negotiations going on, new agreements? Well, we've seen the limitations of the deal over the past few years. It has been implemented for a few years now, and obviously with the goal of putting a lid on these unchecked arrivals uh, within Europe. But the thing is that that deal uh, mostly revealed that there were very different ways of seeing the refugees' arrivals uh, throughout Europe. So what it showed so far are the disparities within uh, Europe, and that's something the European Union member states have to work on. And um, as to the efficiency of the deal, we've seen like it takes so long, it's such a long process to determine whether someone entered illegally, whether someone is entitled to to be considered as a refugee. It hasn't proven very successful, I think Joanna was mentioning it, and also... Perhaps the most successful part of that deal is the message it is sending to refugees. It is don't come to Europe illegally because you're not welcome and you're going to be sent back more than what it does concretely to refugees. We'll talk about 2015 and 2016 and what got us to the point that we are now after a short break. Hey, you, you've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to KCRW Berlin on 104.1 FM. This week on Studio Berlin, we're talking about migration to Europe, a topic that is in the spotlight again as the number of refugees and migrants on the move to Europe is rising once again. Emma, can you take us back to 2015 and remind us why that year was such a turning point for Europe and particularly here in Germany? There was a massive arrival of refugees in Europe. I don't like calling it a crisis because it's a crisis from all point of view, uh, from a European point of view of uh, we are having a certain amount, a big amount of people coming into the country. Is it really a crisis when it could have been prevented by, uh, first off, not helping the countries which started the wars? Those people were fleeing. That's another question altogether. In 2015, uh, Angela Merkel made that decision of not opening the border, but not closing them. We often hear Merkel opened the borders. They were open already. That's the principle of the Schengen agreements. The thing is that she also decided that she wouldn't close it to the migrants who were coming into Germany, which was a very idealistic idea, very humanitarian uh, point of view, and which could have worked had every other European country uh, played its part, which it hasn't, and it led Germany to have the highest amount of refugee uh, settling in the country. So that happened in the summer of 20, 
2015. And obviously, this uh, caused a lot of debates, not only here in Germany, but in the rest of Europe. We can think about Hungary, we can think about uh, in France, that was also a very heated debate in Italy, in the Scandinavian country, etc. And in order to, um, so to speak, put a lead on those unchecked arrivals in Europe, someone, somebody, a country had to come up with an idea. And the idea that came, that was this EU-Turkey deal with uh, the, um, the agreement between the European Union and Turkey to send back all illegal migrants from the Greek islands back into Turkey. Joanna, that was a time uh, where Greece really became the, the central focal point, along with Germany, of course. But this is where a lot of migrants and refugees were landing, their first uh, point of contact in Europe. What was it like reporting on the crisis then? Well, you know, it was, it was intense and it was also in the beginning incredibly moving, you know, to see all, all these people arriving to shore on these, these very flimsy boats, initially very frightened and then just, you know, bending down and kissing the ground and hugging the people waiting there for them and crying and saying, thank God we arrived. And I still remember uh, those, these, these little Greek grandmothers arriving, you know, with their canes. These bent over like 90-year-old grandmothers in canes with their cheese pies, hugging them and saying, welcome, my child, welcome, my child. And these are, you know, again, you know, referencing from, from before, these are the same grandmothers whose own mothers had been forced out of Turkey from Izmir in, uh, when the Turkish, modern Turkish state was being established and there was all this fighting there. So it, it was something that I've never experienced before or since, uh, and there was so much hope in those early weeks because you know, initially Europeans seemed to be welcoming refugees. You know, when Angela Merkel indicated to the world that she would take them in and that Germany would take in the Syrians at least, and other countries as a result said, okay, well, we need to, uh, to show our best face. But then, you know, um, as, as Emma mentioned, not every country saw the arrival of refugees in the same way. You know, the, Hungary saw it as an invasion. They closed their borders. Viktor Orban started building a wall. Thousands of refugees were stranded in, uh, in Budapest train station. Uh, and then the backlash started, and then the border started to close throughout the, the continent. You know, I remember seeing people stuck in this no-man's land between Serbia and Croatia, you know, along these gravestones in this sort of forgotten cemetery, crying in the rain, saying, why doesn't Europe want us anymore? As that started to happen, I started to realize that... I started to feel the sickness in my stomach that, that this was now going to be painted as an invasion probably throughout the continent. Nowadays, people refer to refugees as sort of like unwelcome, sort of we don't need you here. And they use the word crisis because nowadays Brussels sees refugees as a problem. It seems to me that the bureaucrats no longer see that, the, that the bureaucrats, I should say, the, I call them the bureaucrats, but the people running the show in Brussels see refugees as more of a problem rather than as people who need help because their arrival has caused so many political problems. And it's been the mismanagement of their arrival that's caused this crisis. Yet the anger and sort of the, the dehumanization has been directed at the refugees themselves. Well, I, I completely agree with what Joanna just said. And uh, I think we lost a sense of the human perspective there. We're talking about people. We're not talking about numbers only. And it's so easy to get desensitized when we talk about refugees because there's a, there are both 
capsizing on a daily basis in the Mediterranean. Um, do you still feel that pang in your stomach when you read that? Because it happens so often that we just become accustomed to it. And there are people, there are destinies on board uh, each of those boats. And actually, I was in, in Greece uh, shortly before the implementation of the EU-Turkey deal. I was there the week uh, before it uh, got signed. And I was seeing Frontex patrolling in the Mediterranean Sea. No matter the amount of boats uh, we're going to put at sea, it's not going to prevent people from fleeing war. They are still going to try to come. And indeed, Europe wasn't ready, wasn't prepared. Uh, the infrastructures weren't there. Uh, here in Berlin, it was completely chaotic during that, this whole summer and also throughout the, the autumn and the winter. Um, there's something that was quite... Um, it was a life-changing experience to report on that because as much as I had seen misery... In Greece, in Lesbos, seeing people who had almost drowned coming ashore, I had never expected to see people being in, in an even worse state arriving in Berlin. That was because they had had to cross the Balkans by foot from Greece into Germany. Even when they were here arriving in Berlin, sometimes they had taken a train uh, from the Austrian border. No one had told them where they were. They didn't know they were in Berlin. They didn't know exactly where Berlin was in Germany. I mean, of course, an educated Syrian refugee would know his geography. If you're asking about someone who lived in the uh, Afghan mountains, about European geography, he won't have a clue. And those people were arriving. They were completely clueless about the process of uh, the asylum request process. And then also the, the German authorities were completely overwhelmed by the amount of people who just came in. So that chaos that we heard about, Emma, from you, that has mostly been remedied here in Germany. But uh, Joanna, could you tell us what the situation is like right now in Greece, the conditions of camps there and the ability to actually process asylum requests um, have been heavily criticized. What have authorities done and has the situation improved? As far as the camps go, the camps have been chronically crowded since the, the deal was, was signed. Uh, because they stay there for so long. But in the last couple of years, you know, the, Moria Camp, for example, on Lesbos can really only hold 3,000 people. And it's been regularly holding in the last couple of years three to four times that number of people. So when you arrive at the Moria uh, Migrant Center, the, the main migrant center on the island of Lesbos, um, the first thing that hits you is how horrible it smells. There's this, this intense smell of urine, of feces. You walk around and there's garbage everywhere. And you see small children, like two years old, six months old, in their mother's arms, walking around in this, in this filth. And it, it, it is so depressing to see that on, on European Union soil. Um, and, and, so, and some people are so horrified uh, at the conditions that they actually pitch makeshift tents right outside the center, which is surrounded, by the way, with barbed wire, and live out in, like, you know, no running water, no sewage, no garbage system, out in the middle of filth, outside, you know, essentially squatting on somebody's olive grove. And, you know, why these conditions are as bad as they are, the Greeks say they don't have money. The EU claims that they give Greece money to take care of this problem. And it's just a circular argument. The Greeks say, we, we can't manage it on our own. The, the European Union says, here, we give you money to manage it on your own. Do something about it. And nothing ever changes. I should note one more thing about these camps, though. That, you know, there's a question that's been coming up repeatedly. So why don't you just expand them? Why are you having 
the situation where you have two, you know, in the last two to three years, you've had three to four times the number of people arriving there. Just make the camp bigger. But the Greeks don't want to do that, and the Greeks don't want to do that because they don't want to be the Nauru of Europe. You know, Nauru is the specific island where Australia sends all of its refugees, essentially imprisoning them. Um, and, you know, Austria's chancellor-elect, Sebastian Kurz, had mentioned, you know, had come up with this idea like, well, let's just house all the migrants on, in horrible conditions on the Greek islands, and then they'll never come. And so the Greeks, you know, they've already heard a European leader say that, and so they, they don't want to be turned into that. So they don't expand the, the camps because they don't want the camps to become permanent. So what is and can the European Union do to come up with a comprehensive solution We'll talk about that after a short break. So, you've been thinking about corporate underwriting on KCRW Berlin, but just don't know how to get started? Let us make it easy for you. The next time you're on your computer, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. We'll be more than happy to explain the process step by step. It's that easy. Remember, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Then, the next time you're listening to KCRW Berlin, you just might hear your business name on the air. Welcome back to KCRW Berlin on 104.1 FM. This week on Studio Berlin, we're talking about migration to Europe with Emmanuel Schatz. She is a political correspondent at Germany's international broadcaster, DW, and Joanna Kakisis. She is an NPR international correspondent based here in Europe. Uh, she's also reported on migration, particularly in Greece. Earlier this month, the German interior minister, Horst Seehofer, said it is time for Europe to come up with a common policy on migration. If we leave all the countries on the EU's external border alone, there will never be a common European asylum policy. And if there is no common European asylum policy, there is a danger that uncontrolled immigration will once again take place throughout Europe. Emma, coming to you after listening to the German interior minister there, we heard from both you and Joanna that clearly the current approach to migration is a very piecemeal one and it's not working. What needs to happen to forge a common European policy? Well, it's already good that uh, the interior minister from Germany finally realizes that something has to be done uh, that could be actually beneficial for refugees. Um, I thought it was, I was quite perplexed, to be honest, when I saw uh, Horsley of uh, Uh, becoming a champion for a more humane immigration policy. Those are his words because it hasn't always been the case. He has been a very uh, sharp criticizer of uh, Merkel's policy, welcomes policy towards uh, refugee. And now uh, he has been uh, calling on uh, the EU to do more to support Turkey. Uh, That means more uh, subventions. Uh, and to uh, so as to avoid another uh, refugee uh, crisis. He also uh, announced that Germany was uh, prepared to take in 25% of the migrants who would be arriving in Italy. And Emma, we should mention, as you referred to the Mediterranean, 
It was after the EU-Turkey agreement went into effect uh, and that route of migration to Greece was essentially shut down that we saw migration routes, the patterns of migration, shift to the Mediterranean. So refugees and migrants moving up uh, from Africa uh, to Italy and crossing the Mediterranean uh, in boats. And that's also why we saw so many stories of uh, boats capsizing and people drowning. Joanna, when you hear that from Emma, when we talk about uh, the idea of a common European migration policy, what do you think is standing in the way? And is that really a pipe dream? Or is there a, a concept that uh, all European Union member states can come together on? I, I think it, you know, to, to people who have followed this story closely and who see all sides of it, it, it shouldn't be a pipe dream. But yet it is, because what's playing so strongly here are the politics of identity that seem to be tearing apart the European Union. And the argument, for example, in Hungary has always been like, well, we don't want people who aren't like us to live here. So the, the problem right now is getting everybody on the same page as to seeing that this is part of being a, a union, to keep it together and to keep it, as Emma said, focused on human rights, which is, which is what uh, the, the EU has always considered itself a beacon of. That's it for this week's show. Thanks to Emmanuel Chas and Joanna Kakisis for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sumi Somaskanda. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Make sure to tune in next Saturday at 10 a.m. and Sunday at 4 p.m. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.